Turn to 2 Kings chapter number 13 and verse number 18. While you're turning there, just want to say, um, I do it every so often. I don't want to stop doing it. I appreciate our musicians, the effort and time that they put in, all of our singers. They spend a lot of time extra throughout the week. I thank you very, very much and appreciate you so very, very much. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is a huge, huge blessing to us, and I thank you very much. Verse number 18, and he said, take the arrows. And he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. He said, this would be Elisha, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, this would be Joash, smite the ground, and he smote thrice and stayed. I want to speak to you for a few moments here tonight on this subject, strike the ground, strike the ground. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you bring encouragement and strength to us, and so we ask that your word would do that in the house of God to everybody that is here in this place. We give to you thanks and we praise you and we ask all these things in your great and wonderful name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You can be seated if you're still there and you are looking at that passage of scripture. I want to read the full context there. Elisha was fallen sick, verse number 14, of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. Then our text that we read, take the arrows, smite the ground. The king of Israel smote the ground three times. Verse 19, and the man of God was wroth with him and said, thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. This passage of Scripture is very fascinating, and there is a lot in it, and there's some elements in it that I think are important by way of introduction that we should notice. Elisha is in this narrative. And Joash, the king, is also in this narrative. Elisha is suffering from a terminal illness. And out of respect to the man of God, Joash pays him a visit. The scripture tells us very clear from the very be beginning that Joash had a respect for Elisha. He weeps over him. He also connects Elisha to his ministry and Yahweh, or God. And so he's coming to pay his respects. He anticipates as a king that this man that is passing away is going to be a great loss to Israel, 
and he recognizes Elisha as superior to him, calling him my father, my father. So there is true humility that comes forth in his attitude. When he says the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, he's talking about Elisha's ministry and behind Elisha, the Lord that is working in cohort with him. And he also understands that that defense and that power of Israel against all of her adversaries is connected to Elisha and God. And so Elisha blesses him with a promise of victory. He tells him to take the bow and the arrows. These things were symbols of strength and victory. And Elisha was letting him know, Joash, these symbols represent the victory that God is going to give to you. And so by taking the bow in his hands, the king was symbolically becoming the agent of God's power. Elisha put his hands on the hands of Joash, and they opened the east window, and they looked toward the Syrians, which was a great threat, so that he could shoot an arrow out the window. The king obeyed and shot an arrow out of the window. That was appropriating the victory that was symbolized by the arrow. Elisha even tells him, this arrow represents victory over Syria at Aphek. Elisha then, and this is where we get to our text, tells the king to take the existing arrows that were in his hand and capability that he should smite the ground. And so he strikes the ground three times and the scripture says that Elisha was angry with him for stopping because the king was manifesting failure to trust God to give him as many victories as there were arrows. I just want to interject right here. Joash had an opportunity for more than three victories. And I'm standing before you in the house of God tonight wanting to declare to you from this pulpit that I am not satisfied with the victories in my life that God has accomplished because I know that there are more victories as a matter of fact, I'm not satisfied until I stop breathing my last breath because I know the victories of yesterday and the victories of today can continue into the future because the scripture said that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to build your faith in the house of God for a few moments here tonight. If God has wrought mighty victories in your life, don't be satisfied with just that victory, but face the future and say, God, you're a God that is going to continue to do great things in my life, so I want to pursue greater things. Perhaps Joash felt that God could not or would not do as much for him as Elisha implied. What a sad state of insecurity where the king somehow thinks 
that God is not going to accomplish the same victories in Elisha's life. I know the reason for the insecurity. The reason for the insecurity is because Joash wasn't living right. He wasn't doing right. He was taking Israel the wrong direction. And so it created some insecurity in his life. That is absolutely a fact. If you're not living to your full capacity, you're going to limit the way that you think God will respond to you. But if the Holy Ghost is operating in your life and you are confident of the God that is walking with you, you will be secure in the fact that God is walking with me against every temptation, every battle that I face, every difficulty that I face. God is on my side. And if God is on my side, then God is going to work a victory. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands and thank the Lord for every victory, every battle that's been won, every fight that has been accomplished. Elisha becomes angry. He becomes angry. And he says, your unbelief, through his anger, he is basically stating your unbelief is that you fail to trust God even though you know what God has promised to you. And so there were more arrows in the quiver. The first one went out the window, and that was a declaration that God's going to conquer and be with you. But there's more arrows in the quiver that you can utilize. And the prophet told the king that had he shot more arrows, God would have honored his faith and given him additional victories resulting in complete destruction. He says, as it is now, it will only be three victories. There's something right there to be stated and said. Praise God. I don't want three victories that pushes back the demonic attack on my life. I want victories that eradicate the demonic demonic attack in my life if you have been experienced a spiritual attack on your life I don't want just one Sunday night service that makes me feel somehow I've pushed things back I want to step into the realm of dominion where I root it out and I conquer it through the power and the authority of a sovereign God devil you've been coming against me and you've been trying to hem me in but I'm coming back at you and I want you to know it's not going to be three victories, but I'm going to take you entirely out because God is going to conquer. Hallelujah. God's going to conquer. God's going to do the work. The failure here was apathetic approach by a king that terminated what God was wanting to do in his life. He miscarried something here. He dropped the ball here. He stopped the growth before its full development or its full maturation. He terminated an operation and a transference of God's power and ability before the implementation or before the completion. I want to present to you tonight that there are certain areas we must not take abortive measures despite what we may 
encounter. There are some things in our life that we can't approach apathetically, but we've got to approach with power and authority, and we've got to say, God, we are very, very decided on this. We are not intimidated. We are not going to acquiesce. We are not going to back down because we know we have your authority behind us. It is not about who we are, but it is about how great you are. We are limited. You are unlimited. Hallelujah. We are finite, but you are infinite. You're a sovereign God, and as long as God is in operation, we have the authority and the capacity to hold conquest, take dominion, have victory, take control. Praise God. Come on, church. We need to take control of some things. Praise God. We don't need to be intimidated. We need to take control. The first area is we should not ever terminate the calling of God in our life. Romans chapter 11 and verse 29 says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The calling of God in our life. When Paul was talking to the Romans, he was not just talking about pastoral ministry. He said, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a calling of God to be a saint of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 2, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus our Lord, both theirs and ours. God calls us. He extends to us an invitation to enter into the kingdom of God, to forsake that world of unbelief, to walk away from that world world of confusion to be a constituent that is a that is set on a hill in which the city can see to call us out of darkness and into his marvelous light god has called you to be a saint first and foremost you will never be a pastor if you cannot be a saint praise god i said you will never be in pastoral authority and leadership if you cannot be a saint of God that is underneath some authority and leadership. The first thing that God has called you to be is a saint of God. I want to be the best saint that I can be. I want to be faithful. I want to be consistent. I'm going to pay my tithes and offering. I'm going to be involved in the work of God. I'm going to be plugged in. Praise God. I wonder in the house of God tonight, do we have any saints like that? Thank God for you. You're here. Whether it's hell, high water, you're a saint of God. You are the saints of the church that is in Bakersfield. Thank God for the calling of God. And thank God for the saints of God. You season, you season this community. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15 says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be 
thankful. Hallelujah. You should be thankful that you are called to be a saint of God. God has called you. He has given to you exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given that to you. We don't want to fumble that away. Fumble away being a saint. Apathetically approach being a saint. Not completing what God is trying to do in us as a saint. But we want to step into the dimension where we say, God, I want to complete everything that you have for me. I thank you for the calling of God in my life. And I'm not just sitting on a pew. I am the saint of God in this city and in this community. And I've got divine business to accomplish. Praise God. I'm thankful for some excited people that says, yes, we want to be involved in the kingdom of God. Yes, give me a place at the table because I want to be the saint of God that God has called me to be. Oh, I think it's time we start getting excited about church. I think it's time we get passionate about the work of God. I think it's time we need to say we need to cover this city. We want this city to know where we are. When we talk to people in this city, oh, yeah, I got something on my door. Oh, yeah, I know exactly where you are. If the world can get excited about its business, where's the church that rises up and says, I'm called of God? Don't let that man run by himself. He's excited about revival. Hallelujah. Come on, let's keep it up until they get back in the building. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to get excited about the things of God. I want to be motivated about the things of God. I want people to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want the Holy Ghost to be poured out. I want things that look like impossibilities to change because we serve a sovereign God. Praise God. Come on, let's worship him right here for a minute. It's coming. It's coming. I feel it. I feel it. We're crossing over the threshold of just coming to church and, and going through the routine. But God's fixing to do something that goes way beyond what we could even think or ask. I want to be ready for it. Praise God. I said I want to be ready for it. Could you throw your hands in the air and say, God, help me be ready for it. Help me be ready for it. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, lean into that. Hallelujah. There's a calling of God on your life. There's a calling of God on your life.
That's it, sis. Come on, speak that out. Speak that out in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice. I'm excited about the call. I'm not going to fumble this. This is an opportunity. This is a great opportunity. I'm leaning into this with everything I've got. I'm not terminating it. I'm not aborting it. I'm leaning into it. Hallelujah. I recognize God has put some things in the quiver. He's given me some arrows to use. Hallelujah. I'm going to strike the ground. I'm going to strike the Praise God. You can be seated. God bless you. Even when temptation comes to try to take measures to stop what God is doing. Abraham, when he walked out of the Ur of the Chaldees and he walked into a land, the scripture said he didn't even know where he was going, but he was following a call of God in his life. He was following a promise. And when people would ask him, Abraham, what are you doing? Where are you going? He's, he, he didn't have an answer. He just knew that God is, there's a call of God on my life, and so I'm going to pursue it. And even when there were obstacles and difficulties that came his way, he didn't give up. He didn't walk away from it, even though it was confusing to him. But he stuck in there because he recognized that the calling of God in his life was the most important thing. And I feel like in my spirit that we're getting to a place where somehow this specter is raised up before us again and we look into the mirror and we prioritize what really, 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 really matters. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to preach to you here in the house of God tonight. I'm thankful for your success and your blessing and everything God is doing in your life. But I want you to know something. The first priority in your life should be seeking first the kingdom of God because there is a calling of God. God in your life. If there's a calling of God in your life, then there's also a spirit of God in your life. God doesn't place the call of God in our lives without an advocate. The call of God may feel like you're going uphill, upstream, and against the wind, and against the grain. But know this, if he has called you to something, he's not going to leave you without the power or the ability to, to accomplish it. <laughs> Woo, praise God. I just felt my help there. I may feel like I'm swimming upstream in the call of God and everybody else is going a different direction, but I know that I can swim upstream because in my DNA, in my apostolic DNA, there is the Holy Ghost that is operating on my behalf to get me where I need to go. He's the advocate. He's the helper. He's my strength. Hallelujah. He's the authority in my life. When, when things come my way, I can make it through because there's an advocate that is saying, I called you to that, and I'm not going to leave you by yourself, but I'm going to empower you to do what you need to do. I'll empower you to pray. I'll empower you to reach out to the city. I'll empower you to testify. I'll empower you to give by. Bible study. I'll empower you to have a move of God that shakes the foundations. I'm not leaving you by yourself. 
God called you. Man, I, I, I'm getting angry now in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. Listen, God brought you to this place. He called you to this place. Saved you in this place. Baptized you in this place. And he's not going to leave you because the calling of God comes with the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. If you're struggling under temptations and difficulties, know this. You've got an advocate that is on your side. And we've already said it here tonight. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You might not be able to make it by yourself, but with Jesus on your side, your marriage is going to make it. Your relationship is going to make it. Your children are going to make it because the Holy Ghost is walking with you. John chapter 14 verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The calling of God is important in your life, and the spirit of God is also important in your life, and they are connected. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. This is what the advocate or the helper aids us in the calling of God. John chapter 14 and verse number 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being present with you, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because if God has called you, he's also empowered you. You don't have to be afraid. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be difficulties. But when you got a promise like that from the advocate, the Holy Ghost in your life, you don't have to be afraid. Hallelujah. We're not operating by fear. We're operating by love and power and a sound mind. I'm not operating by unbelief and fear. I'm operating by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit is going to comfort me. The Spirit is going to defend me. The Spirit is going to make proclamation for me so I'm going to stand flat-footed with my shoulders back and my chin up and know that God has given me everything I need to accomplish the calling of God in my life. He's the advocate. He's the counselor. He intercedes on our behalf. He's my defense attorney. He makes intercession for me. He's the one who confronts and consoles. He's the comforter. He is the one that exhorts on my behalf. He is the proclaimer. There is nothing that can stop the Spirit of God in your life. God gives to us a better thing. And we're going to face some folks at some point in the future. And they're going to look at us and they're going to say, we accomplished the call of God in our life and we didn't even have the Holy Ghost. How much pressure there should be upon us to say, we've got the calling of God in our life and we have the Holy Ghost.
See, I understand where you're coming from with that. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 33, which is the Faith Hall of Fame. It's talking about people of faith. Verse number 33, listen to their experience. We, through faith, subdued kingdoms. We wrought righteousness. We obtained promises. We stopped the mouths of lions. We quenched the violence of fire. We escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, we were made strong. We waxed valiant in fight. We were tortured, not accepting deliverance. We had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. We were put in bonds and imprisoned. We were stoned, sawed in pieces. We were tempted and killed with the sword. We wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. We wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And despite all that, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I cannot afford to stop the call of God in my life before its completion. These people never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was not completed in them, but they said something better was coming. And we're made complete in the people that receive what we haven't received. And so they recognized the big picture and the calling of God in their life, and they persevered through difficulties and struggles without the power of the Holy Ghost. That should be something on our side of the equation to look back and say, thank God for their perseverance. But we should have the same tenacity to recognize that if they can do it without the Holy Ghost, we should be able to do it with the Holy Ghost because we are made perfect in Him. Jesus has given to us the empowerment of his spirit. Anybody thankful for the Holy Ghost here tonight? Hallelujah. I said anybody thankful for the Holy Ghost? God has put some things in your quiver. I said God has put some things in your quiver. You need to, you need to pull some arrows out and you need to say it's not one or two or three. No, I got something that God has given to me and so I'm going to continue. Hallelujah. Striking the ground because of what God has put in my hand. Strike it. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you need to strike the ground. Praise God. If there's a call of God in your life, musicians, you can come. If there is a call of God in your life, then God's going to empower you to do the call. He's not going to leave you to accomplish something without his presence or without his spirit. Because he's put an arrow in the quiver. Even if you're here tonight, you don't even understand what the Holy Ghost is all about. There's an arrow that God gives to you in your quiver called faith. And if you believe that the gift of God is a gift, then the arrow that is in your quiver is faith to believe it's for me. He said, I'm going to give this gift to all that are afar off. God puts some things within our capacity and within our hand. And so if there's a call of God, he's going to empower us. And then he is going to produce a destiny or a direction or a purpose or a completion or a fulfillment. I am so very grateful for Brother I.H. Terry. I am so grateful for Brother Leon Frost. And I'm grateful for Brother Kevin Bradford because if I wasn't, I wouldn't be here. 
But listen, until the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns for this church, it's not going to stop with me. I said, it's not going to stop with me. It's going to stop with somebody that's a saint of God into the future that is going to say, we're not just striking the ground three times, Bishop. We got to keep striking the ground. Revival's got to keep happening. Holy Ghost is still going to move. There's generations behind me that need the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm still moving forward. Praise God. The call of God and the Spirit of God are not ends in and of themselves. They are for the work of God. Oh, man, this is so simple, but it's so very profound. If God called you, he empowered you to do what? To work in the kingdom of God. You can't. See, if you abort, I got the call of God and the power of God, and you abort right there and you don't do the work of God's. The church ceases to be the church and revival stops happening. And we all get together and we have great church, but that's all we do. And we're not, we're not involved in the work of the kingdom. If there's a call of God and an empowerment of God, there's a work of God. That's the whole point. That is the whole point. And this is why Elisha was so upset with Joash, because God put within his quiver the arrows of revival and for whatever reason, because of insecurity or whatever, he couldn't bring within himself to have the passion and the ability to, to strike the ground multiple times to say, if that arrow that went out the window is deliverance from Syria, then these arrows that God has given for me, he should have, he should have struck the ground so many times he broke the arrows. Because he was distracted with everything around him. He spiritually wasn't attuned to what he should have been doing. And so he apathetically just paid homage to the man that he respected but within himself there was no hunger and there was no passion we live in a world that is not going to take its foot off the gas they're not going to stop pushing their agenda and their narrative they are going full bore they are not going to stop for us no matter how much we, we lament there's got to be a church with the same passion and energy and tenacity for revival as a world that is going to hell. Praise God. I'm talking about people that are just passionate about the things of God. Not distracted. We can get distracted by stuff that is, that's so minuscule that's not even worth talking about. I was at a meeting and they were talking about issues and problems and, 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 and people shooting at people. And somebody got up and said, I, I, I'd like to say this, that I heard this from a, very, uh, a man that was very respected. His name was Brother Jess Parker. And Brother Jess Parker said, there is no church problem, Bishop, in my church that cannot be solved with four new families. What was he saying? He was saying, you got four new families. You got work to help four new families. You got to disciple them, help them. They're coming from a lot of different stuff. But if everybody's working around four new families, they don't have time to look down the pew at somebody else that isn't measuring quite up to their standards. Oh, I, <laughs> I got... 
When hurting people come to the house of God and they need a change in their life and everybody gets on board to disciple them, all of a sudden we don't focus on all the stuff that really doesn't matter. We recognize God has sent to us somebody that needs the power of the Holy Ghost to operate in their life. You are not designated to wrath, confusion, chaos, addiction, anger, cursing. You are called to flee from the the selfish ambitions and try to control every situation like a megalomaniac. God has called you to bring reconciliation to Jesus Christ. This is what God has called us to do. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Praise God. If we're going to see revival in our city, we're going to have to strike the ground with passion and recognition that God is the one that has put the arrows in the quiver. He's already empowered us and given to us the opportunity. We've just got to step forward in security, not insecurity, and say God's going to do great things. God's going to do mighty things, and we want to be ready for it. The enemy will try to get into our head and into the frame of mind that captivated Joash, which was distracted and apathetic. But God has handed to us the bow. His messenger has placed his hands on the bow as well, and he has told us God is going to bring deliverance to people. How many times are you going to smite the ground? If that, re- if that arrow represent, if that striking the ground represented a soul, how many times are you going to smite the ground? How, 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 how many would we be satisfied with? Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited because there's, there's people that they're, they're ready to storm the gates of hell. They're, they're telling me that there's going to be such a great revival. Look around here. I don't know how many people are in this place. You're supposed to get to 75% of your capacity, and then you need to think about doing something different. I don't know if this is 75%. We could probably cram some more. We've got, how many do you think we would have? There's still some empty pews and spots there. There's still two, 300 people that could come into the house. If, if the striking of the ground represented a soul, how many times would we strike the ground? Would we like Joe Ash say, well, you know, one, two, three, and that's good enough? I, I don't think so. I don't think that would be our narrative. You know why? Because this is a big, big city with a lot of people in it. I don't want to strike the ground with three souls and be satisfied, but God, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to keep striking the ground because I know that you're a God that empowers us to do great things. God, you know what? A lot of times we have altar calls and they're good altar calls, but it's for the ministry of us and the health of us and our emotions and all of that. But I wonder, could we have a could we have an altar service that really pushed into the outer boundaries and understandings of reaching out to people and praying that somehow God leads us to people that need salvation and that we would strike the ground to see the work of God be accomplished. Praise God. Come on, the arrows are in the quiver. God has put them there. 
Praise God. Come on, let's, let's, let's pray for individuals that are not here. Let's pray for those empty spots. Let's pray for children's ministry and children that come in on T-Rockets whose lives are upside down. God, bring us more. Bring us more. Bring us more. I'm going to strike the ground. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Give me a reality check, Lord. Don't let me be so distracted on the world and everything that goes along with it that I don't get a burden. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, the spirit of Elisha is over this place tonight. The spirit of Elisha is said there's great revival. If you can reach her, if you can strike the ground, strike the ground. in this place. I believe God's going to break some things off of our minds. We've been so focused on everything around us that we forgot that the main thing is still the main thing, and that is the church evangelistic and fervor and passionate and a move of God. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. You can't